Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. So we're referencing the upper room moment. So here we have, this is a classical painting painted a long time ago. We actually don't even know who the artist is, unfortunately, but... I love its depiction of Pentecost and um, this is what we're, you know, referring to as the powerhouse because, you know, in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, the day when the church was born, when the Holy Spirit came upon every believer and we had uh, Pastor Gus from Revelations Church in our first week and he just came with a bulldozer and like, and if you were here at the night service, he... Even for someone who's on the worship team, he made me feel so out of rhythm um, because he had us, what was he saying again? Um, It was like, like, but I like pop a cap in the devil is what he was telling us to do. Yeah. And we were like, and he was like, no guys, that's, um." he probably went back to Revelations and we're like, wow, the the hills, it's really a like border anyway. Okay, um, week two, we had Ben, he preached and he spoke about um, how we combat fear and unbelief, you know, which can limit our ability to see God move. And then next week, we have Pastor Rudolph Tamsin, as Sam said earlier, from City Point Ipswich. He's coming down. He's actually, yeah, he's speaking at our uh, Youth and Young Adult Worship Night, which starts at 630 Yep. And then on Saturday, we actually have a Young Leaders Roundtable. And this is open to everybody. If you want to be part of that, just chat with Ben or Sam for more information. That's on Saturday. And then Sunday, he's preaching all day. So we're really getting every drop out of Rudolph, but it's going to be an awesome weekend. And it's been amazing. I love this series. This is actually the second time we've done this series. We did it last year and we did it again all new content, we're not just recycling, um, because we just find that this resonates so much with where Elevation is positioned at the moment. And, you know, we're seeing people step into more of what God has for them. We're seeing people have incredible, like, line in the sand, life-altering, reviving encounters with Jesus, people being filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. We're seeing breakthrough. There's um, testimonies of, of healing. There's been prophetic words spoken over people's lives. It's been incredible. God is moving, amen. God is doing something new here. And we're, we're hungry. We are hungry for a revival. We are hungry to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are hungry to hear from God. We are hungry to live to the fullest in the fullness that God has in store for us. But I have a but. Sorry, Sam. (laughs) But when the service is over and when the music ends, when Monday rolls around, I know some of you might be thinking, well, now what? Where do we go from here? You know, in Ephesians 4.1, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, because Paul was literally in jail, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. He's addressing the church. And as Christians, we all share the same purpose or like a group calling, but I'm going to refer to it as purpose for clarity, which is to bring glory to God. You know, the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to um, bring glory to God and to enjoy Him forever. And God in all His goodness, He has also given us individual callings, you know, or in the words of Kanye West, a God dream. 
everything. Okay. Uh, so a purpose, you know, our group calling, that is the desired result to bring glory to God. And a calling is the means of getting there. So a calling can be for a specific situation. It can be for a season of life. It can be for a lifetime. And its purpose is always to bring glory to God. So I ask you, are you carrying a calling? Has God given you a dream that is so big that when you measure it against your everyday life, you're thinking, Lord, how, how is that gonna even be possible? You know, or do you have any idea what God is calling you to? Do you know what next step to take? Or maybe there are unanswered prayers, promises, and you find yourself going from Sunday encounter to Sunday encounter desperately, and hear me out, desperately, genuinely, authentically, like that you're not being fake about this. You are hungry. You're going after the things of God. And yet between Monday to Saturday, life doesn't seem to match up with your Sunday experience. It doesn't seem to match up with what people are praying over you, what they're believing over you, what they're believing for in you. And you're thinking like, I'm ready, God. Let's go. I'm ready to step into my holy calling, Lord. Do you want me to quit my job? Do you want me to drop out of school? Drop out of uni? Sell my things? I'll go, I'll do it. Hello? I wanna live a life of purpose, Lord. I wanna be part of building your kingdom. I want the devil to quake in his boots when I'm walking around. I wanna go after that God dream you've given me. But I also have kids. (laughs) What am I gonna do about these kids? All the parents were like, "Mm," ministering to me. Well, now what? You know, when I was a kid, my dad told me that I was a princess back in my homeland, Spain. Because we migrated over here, you know, quite um, early. So he told me I was a princess and I kid you not, I believed it wholeheartedly. (laughs) I, I did, without a doubt. But as I got older, as the years, you know, passed by, growing up in a tiny shoebox, like a housing commission house with parents who constantly argued over money, I started to think, okay, maybe I'm more like Princess Anastasia of the Romanovs, you know, like hidden away for good reason. That's why we had to come to Australia. People are out to get me because I'm that special, you know? But then more time passed and I realised, no, okay... Maybe I'm not a Spanish princess. And look, I'll, I'll never really know. You know, my dad took that secret to the grave. So I'll know when I go to heaven and see him like, Dad, <laughs> show me the paperwork. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. Am I, am I not? I don't know. If there, is there, if there is a secret hidden like story about a 1993 born Spanish princess who went into hiding, might be me. I don't know. But... You do with that conspiracy what you will. But, you know, maybe you feel like, you know, your calling feels a little bit like that. Time has passed you by and it doesn't look like you've made any progression. And so your inner fire, that conviction to go after that is more of an ember. And your everyday life looks far from the kingdom-minded, heavenly expectations you once believed for. You know, 
maybe you're thinking, maybe that wasn't even God calling. Maybe it was just a wild dream. Are you discouraged? Are you weary? Are you a little jaded? Are you sick of hearing about living big lives for God when life feels anything but? And so this message is for anyone who struggles to see how their everyday life plays in the grand scheme of God's plan. And I'll give away the the answer to you now. The answer lies with the Holy Spirit. Well, let me pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can gather as your church to worship you, to bring you glory. And I just pray for this message, Lord. Holy Spirit, will you speak through me? Would you bring revelation, illumination? Let nothing fall on deaf ears, God, and allow me to speak only what you want me to speak, Lord. Thank you for this time that we can spend reading your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so my message today is called A Powerhouse Life in the Everyday Mundane. You know, and I truly believe that it's more often in the quiet, mundane, easily passing, everyday moments where God can move most and do most in your life, in your formation as a follower of Jesus. And I believe that it's not just Sundays, but where we stand in our faith from Monday to Saturday that is the soil that will produce the fruit, that will lead us where God's calling us. You know, I've got two biblical examples for us to dive into today that will explore a powerhouse life in the everyday mundane. And they're two prominent figures. You know, some of you may recall King David's humble beginnings as a shepherd boy. You know, in 1 Samuel 16, God sends the prophet Samuel to Bethlehem to anoint, to choose a new king. And out of his bigger, brawnier brothers who looked the part, David, the the little one, the youngest, he's selected as the future king of Israel, plucked out from obscurity by the prophet Samuel. And in verse 12, it says, so Jesse, because at this point, David was out in the fields with the sheep because he was a shepherd boy. So Jesse, his father sent for him and he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Samuel didn't even take David with him. There wasn't like a pilot program for like future kings. He just anointed him and left. And that would have been really confusing for young David, right? He's singled out, he's set apart by a well-known prophet who then just leaves. Now what? And I'm sure, you know, David, for David, that would have felt very anticlimactic. And you may really resonate with young David here. You're carrying a calling, a God dream that's bigger and beyond your present circumstance and you're thinking, okay, but now what? And what I really want you to catch from his story is the space between his anointing when God called him and becoming the king. It wasn't immediate. You know, in verse 13, we read, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Hear this, the Holy Spirit plays a powerful role in positioning you for purpose. 
And there are two significant things that happen to young David. And the first is David serves King Saul. So King Saul, he is tormented by a spirit. And this is in 1 Samuel 16. And in verse 18, you know, Saul's servants, they, they're like, oh, we need to find someone to help our king. And they recommend David to come and help the troubled king to play worship music. You know, and they refer to him as a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine looking man. So Saul, you won't be upset about looking at him. But most of all, the Lord is with him. And so David uses his gift of music to serve the person above him. And as a result, he ends up winning favour with Saul and becoming his armour bearer. And this is a significant, important connection because now young David, he is side by side with the king. And he will, so he will learn just by being beside him how a king rules. He wouldn't have been able to do that as a shepherd out in the fields. And so notice David, he doesn't, if you read the story, David doesn't weasel his way into Saul's court. You know, he's not hanging around the, the, the palace doors with his like mixed CDs of like, hey, check out my latest mix. Here's my demos. He placed himself within the will of God. And it was Saul's servants who brought him in. And then he finds favour. But he's not yet king. The second is a story we're all familiar with, David and Goliath. So David, he's not yet fighting age, so he's not old enough to be in the army. And so he's anywhere between 16 and 19 years old at this point. And so his dad literally sends David into the battlefield with a packed lunch for his brothers. He's doing Uber Eats. And he sees how Goliath, you know, has... Um, he's Goliath, this giant for one, who has taunted the entire army, including the king, into just crippling them with fear. And, and David's like, I ain't about this. And in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, David, he says to the Philistine, Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Verse 47, and all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and He will give all of you into our hands. And David doesn't fight Goliath because he thinks it'll make him king. Even with that calling on his life, David, he was still obedient to his dad. His dad's like, can you take this lunch to your brothers? Check on them. And David's like, sure can. He was obedient to his job as a caretaker of sheep. He had to find someone to look after the sheep while he was like, okay, I'm going to check out this Goliath guy. But when the opportunity presented itself, even with those odds stacked against him, he knew God was on his side. He knew he could step up to the plate because of the Holy Spirit's power that was with him. And so he fights Goliath and he wins. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, David displays unmatched boldness and confidence knowing God was on his side and would bring the victory. Notice that when we read um, the scripture, he's David, he's never referring like, I'm gonna, he's going to deliver to you, you into my hands. He's like, the battle is the Lord's. It's never about David. So he fights Goliath and wins. 
but he's not yet king. In fact, he doesn't become king. You know, in the scriptures, he becomes king in 2 Samuel 2, which is anywhere between 10 to 15 years after. So David was called to be a king, but in these two instances, we see that he didn't strive or manipulate his way to the throne. He, he wasn't above sending, um, bringing lunch for his older brothers, but it was by the everyday leading, guiding and power of the Holy Spirit, opening the doors, paving the way. A powerhouse life is one led by the Holy Spirit. You know, Romans 8.14, it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And um, one of my favourite artists, Vincent van Gogh, um, an incredibly talented and incredibly misunderstood artist of the time, preacher's son, he even tried to be a pastor and he wasn't very good, so he didn't do that for very long. But he says this, he says, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. And in the same way, our everyday mundane life plays a huge part on the outworking of our calling and purpose. You know, when we read through the book of Acts, which is the primary focus for this series, it's easy for us to take note of the big miracle moments. You know, the day of Pentecost, tongues, on, tongues of fire coming upon people's heads, speaking different languages, we've, uh, speaking in tongues. We've got lame, blind, crippled, paralyzed people healed. We have the miraculous like transportation. Um, we have souls blinding and miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus. We have stories of demons being cast out. We have multiple instances of um, miraculous jailbreak. We have multiple resurrections, the dead being brought back to life. But in between... In between these big miracle moments, we find morsels of information in the scripture about the daily life of the apostles. They weren't like Jedi, you know, who spend their time zooming across the galaxy, bringing order to the force and fighting the Sith. The apostles had day jobs. They did. Acts 18 Verse one, then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them for they were tent makers just as he was. Paul, Apostle Paul, he made tents for a living. And he worked alongside Priscilla and Aquila, who were also leaders in the early church. This would be like if Pastor Miles came to Sydney and, and started a tent making business with Sanjeev and Jocelyn. And how ironic that we have all these tents outside the sleigh. Like, <laughs> incredible. Spirit led. That is so spirit led. You know, Pastor Miles, don't you have a church to run? He's like, yeah, we've got tents to make. We've got homeless to house. We've got people to feed. We're going to stack the sleigh. But if you want to be a mighty man like Paul, if you want to have a legacy like Paul, if you want to make an impact like Paul, don't look down at your day job. Whether you're making coffee, you're a parent, you're an administrator, you're an accountant, you're a tradie, or you think you're in an industry that you think is irrelevant to who and where God is calling you. 
Don't be discouraged by the mundanity of your everyday life. Don't assume it's the thing that's holding you back. You know, friend, maybe you haven't stepped into that calling or that God dream you're looking toward because you have yet to step into, to embrace the assignment God has for you right now. You know, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to direct our steps. In Acts 16.6, Paul and Silas, they're travelling through the Mediterranean region and they're preaching the gospel, but it says on multiple occasions, the Holy Spirit prevents them and does not allow them to preach in Asia or Bithynia, which is now modern day Turkey. And so let's read on in verse nine. And that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in Northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. When Paul became a Christian, he quickly learned that God had called him to preach to the Gentiles. And even though he still had to make ends meet, he had to build tents, he had to make a living, he never diverted from his calling. They worked in conjunction with each other. And in Acts 13, we read how, you know, uh, sorry, in Acts 13, you can read how the Holy Spirit commissioned Paul and the crew to spread the gospel and share it to everyone everywhere. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that sent them out, that fanned the flame of the God dream burning within them. So then let's put ourselves in their shoes for a moment and imagine how frustrated they would be going from place to place and the Holy Spirit being like, no, don't go there. Don't preach there. Okay, try over here, Lord. How about this town? No, Paul, don't go preach there. Try this place. No, don't go preach there. Don't go there. You'd be like, God, you called me to this. Why are you, why are you saying no? Why are you holding us back from, from the calling you've given us? And in verse 10, Paul has a vision of a man in Macedonia begging them to come. And Luke writes, because he, he wrote Acts, Luke writes, they concluded, aka they finally understood why the Holy Spirit kept saying no, because they needed to go to Macedonia. The Holy Spirit stopped them from preaching in certain places because God had a specific assignment to preach in Macedonia. Well, what is so special about Macedonia? If they chose to ignore the Holy Spirit, and not go to Macedonia when God called them to, they never would have set the demon-possessed slave girl free. They never would have experienced the miracle jailbreak as a result of their midnight praise break. And yes, I did preach on that recently. They never would have experienced that. And so friends, let me say this. The resistance you encounter in living at your calling the doors that you think that haven't been opened to you, it may not be the work of the enemy. It may not. But it may be you not allowing your life to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, the Holy Spirit begins to live in us. That's every believer. But it doesn't have to end there. 
if we want to be sons and daughters of God, if we want to live a life that is bigger and beyond our expectations, if we want to see God display His glory in and through and around our lives, we need the everyday leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to become sensitive to that. The Holy Spirit is not an optional extra. The Holy Spirit is a person to have a relationship with, not a force to be summoned. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is a member of the triune God, the Trinity. He is not a lesser being below the Father and Son. He is the Holy Spirit. He is God. And this matters because a force can be wielded to our will. I just think of Palpatine in Star Wars. I'm just going with the Star Wars imagery today. A force can be wielded to our will, but a person must be interacted with. Now, let me be clear, not a human, a person, a being. The Holy Spirit has personal attributes. He has a mind in Romans 8. He knows the deep things of God. 1 Corinthians 2. He acts according to His will. 1 Corinthians 12. He has emotions. He grieves. Ephesians 4. And He loves. Romans 15. You know, and in Corinthians 13, 14, it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Other words for fellowship are companionship. May the Holy Spirit be your companion. Closeness, intimacy. 1 Corinthians 2.10 But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. If you want to draw closer to God, if you want to go deeper with God, if you want to be sent by God, you need the Holy Spirit. You can read all of the Bible. You can go to Bible college. You can get your doctorate in theology. You can attend church every week, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that will bring you a revelation of who God is. I'd love to invite the band to come and join me. See, Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us, not in big extravagant ways, not just in big extravagant ways. And we have seen Him do that. We have amazing testimonies of that. But very much so in the small things to guide our character, our minds, our attitudes, to combat our sin nature, to reveal truth, to give us strength. You don't just need to wait for, for, to ask the Holy Spirit for His power to see miracles, to see breakthrough, for signs and wonders. You can ask the Holy Spirit for His power to be more patient with the kids. This one, that one, ooh, is a prayer I pray a lot since having two kids. Be more honouring to my boss. Be more compassionate to others. To be slow to anger and more understanding. To think the best in people and not the worst. 
Holy Spirit, we need you to hold our tongue when we're tempted to gossip. The list goes on. And we do this through prayer. Pray daily, pray whenever. Don't just pray when you need something. Pray to give thanks. Pray to process your day. Pray to talk with the Holy Spirit. You know, I just spoke about, I need the patience of the Holy Spirit with my kids. When I, you know, became a mother of two and I was like looking after my newborn, I found myself getting really annoyed at Luca, my three-year-old. And it rattled me because I was like, you're three and yet I want to punch you in the face. And... And like, honestly, that hurt. That hurt because I was like, you're three. I don't want to feel this way about you. I don't want to be that angry at you because I'm tired and I want to put the, the baby to sleep. And I had to pray that prayer a lot. God, help me be patient with Luca. He's three. Pray, talk to the Holy Spirit and see what God shifts in you, in your heart, in your perspective, in your world. And whenever I'm feeling discouraged, you know, when I feel like there's more doors closing than being opened, a prayer that I have learned to pray is just asking the Holy Spirit for understanding. Holy Spirit, help me understand. Help me see what you're doing. Help me see what you're shielding me from. Help me see what you're preparing me for. What is it in me, in my character, in my nature that's not ready for what you have for me? Holy Spirit, help me understand. And don't just talk, pause, listen, wait. See what doors open for you when you allow the Holy Spirit, not just in the big things, but the little things. And if you're unfamiliar with what the Holy Spirit sounds like, I encourage you, I implore you, read your Bible. Reading the Word helps you learn the sound of God's voice. Knowing the Word helps you discern if it's God's voice or not. Pray that the Holy Spirit would bring bring, illuminate the Scriptures and bring a new revelation, a new sense of wonder of who He is. And you know, if you feel discouraged in your calling, maybe you've heard the voice of God, but you haven't seen any fruit or any doors open for you. Can we just stand, all of us together? If you need to hear the voice of God today, I wanna invite you to come down the front. And if the prayer team could make their way to the front as well. You know, God just doesn't speak to people, but He speaks through people. And we have our prayer team who would love to stand with you in prayer today. Or maybe you have never heard the call from God. I encourage you, come down the front and seek the Holy Spirit. Seek His voice. Perhaps today is the day you will hear maybe even just a whisper of where the Holy Spirit is calling you next. And I love what we just sang in Hosanna. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. This is an easy prayer for us to pray. In terms of the lyrics will be on the screen if that's what you wanna pray. 
break my heart for what breaks yours. You're calling God, ask God, God, break my heart for what you're calling me for. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. So come on, if you want to seek out the Holy Spirit, if you want to receive some prayer today, I encourage you to come to the front while we sing this song.